raised, restored, commissioned. Shalom! Thank you for joining us for this sermon from the third Sunday of Easter, May 1st, 2022, from Christchurch, Jerusalem. In the Gospel of John, the resurrected Jesus again reveals himself, tenderly providing to a group of weary and wavering disciples a miraculous catch of fish. He also supplies them with breakfast, assurance, restored relationship with himself, and the call to steadfastly follow him in caring for his flock and expanding his kingdom. Peter, near the end of his life of faithfully following Jesus even to martyrdom, reflects on this event and its importance for us in our weariness and wavering. Reverend John Howenstein reminds us how Peter concludes his first epistle with this encouragement. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You are invited to a unique trip to Poland, formerly the home of the largest Jewish community in the world. Join us this August as we embark on an in-depth study tour of this once vibrant Jewish community that flourished for almost 1,000 years before its tragic demise. This tour, led by David Pelegi, will take us through a wide swath off the beaten path through eastern and southern Poland, from Warsaw to Bialystok, from Lublin in the east to Krakow in the south. We will visit beautiful medieval cities, castles, synagogues, churches, and abandoned cemeteries to better understand the historical context of the Polish Jewish experience and the ways that Poles and Jews have deeply influenced each other. We will not ignore the traumatic events of the two world wars and will devote a considerable portion of our time to discussing the final solution. We will use the insights of historians to help us understand why and how so many ordinary Germans became willing accomplices in the murder of Poland's three million Jews. This study tour is designed to help us better our prayer life, sharpen our stand against anti-Semitism, and hopefully give us more courage to be faithful witnesses as Christians in our opposition against the idolatry and deceptions of our day. Join us August 6th through 17th, 2022, for this walk through history. Land cost is 1,749 euros, less than $1,900 US. For details and to register, visit narrowbridgetour.com. Narrowbridgetour.com. Worship of the Lord takes many forms prayer, singing, also listening. We now worship the Lord by hearing his voice and uh, as we hopefully will respond to this treasure from heaven by the power of the Spirit. The first reading is from Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, 
he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. The second reading is taken from the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. 
This is the word of the Lord. Please uh, rise with me to hear, to stand amidst an encounter with the risen Jesus as, as it's recorded in the 21st chapter of St. John. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and so they said, we're going with you. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have your breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verily, truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself 
and you went where, uh, wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, before uh, entering into uh, the passages, particularly the gospel, uh, Pastor David asked that I um, just make the announcement for those who are around here so the word gets around. That's my wife, Catherine, sitting over there. And uh, Catherine and I uh, will be uh, departing on Tuesday for uh, a few months and then return in the summer. But what people say, where did they go? <laughs> and he says, I have to explain a lot. So just start the explanation going today. So uh, if, you're, if you're part of the, of the community and parish here, uh, congregation here, help pass that word. But it's been a joy and a privilege to be with you again. We've been doing this for about 28 years. And we look forward to returning this summer. So, the, we are in the 50 days of the season of Easter. It, uh, it was not over on Easter Sunday, the day of resurrection. It began then. And, uh, and we count until the days of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is given. We count through 40 days until Jesus is ascended. But yet we know within Scripture that uh, in those 40 days, he was appearing over and over and over again uh, to his disciples individually, small groups, uh, uh, large groups, and says teaching them about the kingdom of God. Basically, uh, what does this resurrection life this resurrection life, and what does it mean for us? Not just when we die, but living with him as kingdom in the world right now, and, and to uh, ourselves being transformed through this living in this power of the resurrection, and then taking out and transforming the world. And by the way, we hear in the gospel reading something we won't really touch on. There's many, many books written uh, on this, and none, no one agrees. Uh, about 153 fish caught. But just for fun today, maybe if we counted everybody here, there'd be exactly 153 people with us today. And maybe that has some meaning for us. Now, I've probably already distracted everybody from the sermon and people are already looking around with an app that counts everybody here to see if it's really true. <laughs> But let us say uh, the Lord's power to draw, uh, if he be lifted up, he'll draw us to himself, that he's drawn us here today. You know, we're not just here to have a service and to say words and to sing songs, but we expect to be met and to fed, be fed by Jesus. The crucified Messiah and Savior who now lives and the, um, uh, what I love uh, in the readings, again, we'll look at the gospel reading, but in the first reading where um, after those 50 days, Jesus, uh, 40 days, Jesus ascended into heaven. Sometime later, he appears to Saul, who is continually breathing threats of murder and violence against the church. And we, we love 
the encounter that happens to Saul, where he is transformed and invited into live and to spread uh, the power of resurrection. But I would just say, remember that there's a second very, very important miracle that happens within that account that often goes untouched upon. I, I think I was in ministry about 30-something years before it popped out at me. And that's when Ananias, who was sent to baptize him with a little bit of resistance, the first words out of his mouth were, Brother Saul. But that word, brother, wow, that is just a, as big and, and important a miracle that only Jesus, by his resurrection power and life and the Holy Spirit, can do. Transform a man who's, who's uh, continuously breathing threats of violence and murder against those who bear Jesus' name. And then the community who he's doing it to, the first words out of their mouth when they meet him is, brother, brother Saul, trusting in what Jesus could do. Again, a, a little picture of the character that he wants to emerge within us. Not that we just know Jesus and are going to heaven, but we become that kind of community to say, there's no other explanation for how these people can behave like this unless Jesus is alive and can transform lives and communities now. And then that same Jesus who met Paul and Ananias, who is meeting the disciples today, we see uh, a vision into eternity of not just the future, but of Jesus reigning now. The lamb who was slain has begun his reign. We sang about it and then saw it uh, in that, in that in, uh, we stood before it in that reading from Revelation. Who is this Jesus that meets people on the road, that comes in dreams and visions? who we follow, who we've invited into our life, who we worship this day. You know, he, he is alive. He is reigning. He is doing and wants to do far more than sometimes we can ask or imagine. I love that verse in Scripture, I think from Ephesians. It says, glory to him who does infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. The whole point I'm getting up to is is uh, like we'll see today, the, the disciples uh, are in a state of transition, not just Peter, but all of them. They're excited to see Jesus, but on the other hand, they don't know quite what to do with it. They're not overly joyful. They're not overly assured. They're not really operating in full power of the Holy Spirit. They, you know, they don't have quite the unity it's like they're, it's, they're still getting used to or trying to understand what is this, what is this, what does this mean that the man that we followed is now, you know, and, and we come to know as Messiah and is crucified and raised again and he's appearing to us. I would just put forward to you, and I'm going to put on a certain hat. Not, you know, not to make this about me, but but for where I'm coming from today, uh, a lot of my um, 
45 years of ordained ministry, and even some time before in hospital chaplaincy with uh, dying children. Um, it was spent in uh, very extreme situations, of, uh, especially of trauma. In the state of Maryland in the United States, I'm, I'm on a critical incident stress management certification and team. Um, in different instances uh, nationally, I've been um, a chaplain with spiritual care and aviation incident responses, which is the highest level of um, Tra you know, traumatic uh, events that can happen um, and things. Uh, spiritual care and aviation incident responses. So for one reason or another, the Lord has placed me within a lot of uh, trauma situations. And uh, while trauma is usually thought of as um, bad and difficult and painful things that overload our senses and we shut down on being able to process them. Are we, there's chemical and biological uh, changes that happen in our body immediately and ongoing and, um, and uh, maybe even genetic changes, but at least uh, chemical changes within our body. And um, it's, you know, it needs, you need to be healed from that. That trauma, that's called distress but there's something called eustress. And eustress is the good stress. But you can use the word trauma somewhat for that. When something happens to us beyond what we can even ask or imagine that's a good thing, what does it say in the Gospels? Uh, that Jesus is appearing to him, he's eating with him, and they can't believe out of sheer joy. You know, like this seems too good to be true. We thought we had the Bible all figured out. We thought we had you figured out. You know, we thought you're Messiah. Now you're being crucified. We thought you were crucified. Now you're raised from the dead. We thought, you know, what, what does that mean uh, for us? And, and so they're in a, even with the Holy Spirit, and again, you know, I've gone through lots of different trauma things and people have been spirit filled and, done, you know, all, all the things that we can say, but that doesn't uh, somehow give us an exemption from the impact when very, very difficult things happen to us or very, very good things happen to us. Even being spirit filled, it takes time for us to process them to let them sink in, to start making choices of, given this new reality, how will I live into this? So, in the reading today, uh, much has been uh, that we meet the disciples in the Galilee, which should be no surprise because Jesus said, tell them I'll meet them in the Galilee. Um, you know, a lot of ink has been uh, spilled on were they leaving Jesus? Were they, you know, uh, were they uh, apostatizing? Were they leaving the faith? Were they giving up on the kingdom? Were they giving up their ministry? Maybe they were just hungry and had to eat. <laughs> Maybe they enjoyed fishing. Uh, there, there's room for, for both. So um, I... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that they were uh, abandoning the Lord, but I do think that... Um, in this new life of where Jesus is appearing over and over. He'd already appeared to them several times. And notice after the first time in John, they were still behind locked doors the second time. So it takes them getting used to. What does this mean for us in our day-to-day -day life? How do things change? How do things differ? So I find no shame or anxiety that fishermen are going fishing. And, uh, but... Uh, I do think it's significant that that night 
night. It's night. It's dark. They caught nothing. And Jesus appears on the beach and he says, haven't you? You haven't caught anything, have you? Not even a little morsel. And there's a unique word there, but basically is, you don't, you don't have anything, do you? And they said, no. <laughs> what was it? And there's really no clear answer to this. What was it that made them follow his command to throw the net on the other side uh, of the boat after all night? And, uh, you know, seasoned professional fishermen that said they didn't know it was Jesus. They didn't know who it was on the beach. You know, they're tired already. They're the professionals. Somebody's coming up giving advice from the shore. Why? I don't know, but one of the thoughts is being is, remember when at the tomb when uh, uh, Jesus is talking to Mary and she, and, and she says, oh, well, where did you lay him? Uh, she thought he was the gardener. Tell me, I'll carry his dead corpse away somewhere else. And then he said to her, Mary. He called her by name. And all of a sudden, it just penetrated, boom, right into her core of her being. So was there something about when he gave the command that all of a sudden there was an authority that even though they didn't know it was Jesus until the fish were caught, that somehow just intuitively they knew it was the shepherd's voice, heart calling to heart, deep calling to court, heart, uh, you know, deep calling to deep. That's one of the ideas. But for some reason, they did something very strange there. This group of professionals who weren't having much success just listened to a random voice to do one more time without any pushback, feedback, uh, you know, conversation. They just did it. And then it happened. Ah, we've been here before. We've been here before. It's the Lord. And John's the first to understand. Peter's the first to act. He jumps in, lets the rest of the group haul the, the net ashore. And, uh, and everybody's excited. I mean, it's the Lord. They can't wait to get to the beach. But they're a little bit slow about coming to the table. And, uh, you know, maybe that's like, well, no, I will say many times that's assumed how we come to worship. You know, he is risen. Yeah, that's why we're here. But then we come to a point, well, who's going to ascend the hill of the Lord? Who's going to stand in his holy place? He who has a clean hand and a pure heart. Mm. Can I really come to your table today? I have to have the, the preparation. Almighty God, you bring to light things hidden in darkness and know the shadows of our hearts. Do you think that could have been as why Jesus had to say, come on, closer. Bring some of the fish you've got. Come up here. Come have breakfast. The charcoal fire is there. The fish is grilled. The bread is baked. The smell of the fish, the smell of the bread, the smell of the charcoal. And it seems like there's you know, just something about the tone of the whole passage where there is joy at the recognition of the Lord and desire to be in his presence, but they're still, you know, not knowing quite what to do with it. 
and maybe even some hesitancy to come. Maybe they, uh, every time Jesus is appearing to them, what is he doing at every resurrection appearance? He's saying, he's giving them reassurance. Peace I leave with you. You know, it's me, but I don't come to scold. I don't come to shame you. I don't come to point out all your faults and how you disappointed me and how you denied me and how you, and how you ran away with me and you all forsake me. He comes to give them himself. He comes to give intimacy. It comes to give them assurance and to build them up. And I think of in uh, 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 St. Saint, Saint Peter, when uh, he writes uh, somewhere towards the end of his life, uh, the first epistle of Peter, that at the end, uh, which verse is it? Uh, I think it's 10 or 11 here. It says, he himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And towards the end, that's written towards the end of First Peter, in the fifth chapter of Peter saying what the Lord does. And I have to think that he's also thinking, not only from a lifetime of experience, but thinking back to this particular moment. You know, of what happened then to him and to all of them is what, wants to be offered, you know, to us today. He himself will restore you. Jesus revealed himself. To them. It, you know, he was in charge at that moment. It says, Jesus revealed himself to the disciples, and he did it this way. So this, one of the things that the resurrected Lord wants to do is to reveal himself to us. Not just hear Bible stories about us. Well, he wants us to meet him in the stories. He wants to meet us to meet him at the table. He wants us to meet him in our fellowship in ways more than we could ever ask or imagine so that he can, we can see that the same Jesus who washed their feet and serves them and serves us and died on the cross for us is the same Jesus who's risen and reigning right now. What is a Jesus alive to do? Is to care for the sheep that are his. We are his sheep of his pasture. And he's the same Lord who came to the disciples then, who comes now. And he himself wants to restore us and make us strong, firm, and steadfast. Strong, firm, and steadfast is not a description I would always use of myself. Is it always one that you would choose for yourself? <laughs> so even though we're saved and we're going to heaven, <laughs> even though uh, uh, we you know, ask the Holy Spirit into our life, filled with the Holy Spirit, in Scripture it says, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll be continually remembering these things. And just as Jesus to Peter and to the disciples that day said, my whole purpose is here is to bring you into consistent discipleship so that you can care for the flock and be faithful even if it means a martyr's death. And that God will be glorified. I, I, I love the what we have called the colic for purity in the Anglican church. It's similar to this prayer for preparation. Almighty God unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. 
Cleanse our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit so that we would perfectly love you. Do you love me? And worthily magnify your holy name. Tend my sheep by your faithful witness, even unto death. The Lord's name will be glorified. So, if I was to, and some of you are going on tour, have been on tour. From 28 years ago, I made my first tour. From taking groups on tour, from watching groups on tour, from seeing countless people come through this place, talking to people when they return home. One thing I found over, uh, if you ask people a year later, five years later, 10 years later, what three places, get named three places that in your going through the Holy Land, Jesus went through you. <laughs> Where your heart, his heart called to your heart, that impacted you, that as the years go on, the memory grows stronger. The pages of scripture become more vivid. And almost always, so I'm not going to have people come up to say, nah, that wouldn't be any of mine. But almost always, the answer that comes to me, one of those places will be this breakfast scene. <laughs> and to say, oh yeah, I remember standing on the beach by the Sea of Galilee. And maybe even hearing this story. Maybe even having communion there. And to remember that, oh, isn't that just what I always picture, you know, uh, about Bible stories, but Jesus alive, coming, feeding breakfast, and then forgiving sin. <laughs> and trusting again. You're valued. You're my tender sheep. You've let me down grievously but I love you with an everlasting love. I'm wildly in love with you. I can't let you go. I hold you in the palm of my hand. I died for you. I'm risen for you. And bringing us to uh, realize, you know, his love, you know, his love for us, that all really is forgiven. And we grow in assurance. But growing in that assurance, he says, and now it's not just rescue for heaven. It's recruitment. It's recruitment for caring for the sheep I'm bringing in, my sheep, and it's uh, uh, for the expansion of my kingdom, even when it's difficult and challenging. A place where maybe we grew in courage, or as St. Peter said, in, um, we were restored a bit and grew in steadfastness uh, of faith and grew a little bit more firm that we can be a little bit more uh, consistent in our discipleship. Isn't that really what we want to happen today? To become more consistent in our discipleship? So I just invite us at times when we come to these times in Scripture, you know, Jesus says, come and have breakfast. And to, you know, there are times to go through the Scripture and there's so much has been written. I mean, you can go through up and down aisles and libraries of all the different ideas out of what every letter, piece of punctuation, spaces around the letters, numerical values of the letters. Of, 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 you know, John's gospel is a wonderful place. You, you can, it's like a 
the, the ocean, you just, you just can't go deep enough in, you don't have enough time in our life to go that deep into it of all the connections we can make. And that's a good and right and good and necessary thing to do at times, but we often miss the times of we so eager to want to go through Scripture, we don't let it go through us. And these stories are given as stories that we would sit in it and just say, Lord, speak. Now, for the benefit of some people who know me here, I have to say the word today, marinate in them. <laughs> marinate in them. You know, we put a piece of food into something to marinate. It just... The, the richness, the flavors, the, uh, it, it draws in and not only flavors, but it sometimes changes the very chemistry of it. I would put forth to you that this is some of the ways that we heal from whether it's the difficult tra uh, traumas or whether it's the good traumas, it's the distress or the eustress. But we're all on a journey of where things can't, even with the Holy Spirit, don't get fixed quickly and easily. And sometimes we try to go and, and, and go around and say, okay, just give me the parts I need to know to give me the, the quick fix, to, to get the high back, to get rid of the problem. To, and and uh, the Lord's saying, no, follow me. Follow me. And I would just uh, call us to maybe take our Bibles home today and to uh, just allow ourselves to sit after a hard, a night of hard work where nothing was accomplished. Have you ever had nights like that? Or times in your spiritual journey, nothing is happening. I'm coming up with nothing. I come here to worship today. I'm coming to the Lord's table. And I've labored and nothing. Jesus says, have you nothing? I'm, no, I'm nothing. And he says, come, come. Come and eat. You know, feed on me. And to just to linger and, and let, and let uh, his presence in his word say, Lord, just take me in your word. Now, I'll tell you something, uh, I better watch it, something uh, else about, I understand about uh, trauma, both good and bad, is the smells that were present the smells that were present at a time of either great distress or eustress, something that overwhelmed us, shocked us, was more than we could ask or imagine, either in good or bad. The smells that were present linger with us, and they are the most powerful link between memory and the event. The most powerful link between memory and event. So if something very terrible happened to you and there was a specific, specific odor present, almost all of our lives, whenever we, that odor happens again, we will be not only remembering that event, we'll be there again. You know, we're reliving it. But the same way, you know, if something is very, very good and there was a, a unique smell present, that whenever that smell is present, we're there. We remember that person, we remember that event. I'm from Texas. <laughs> charcoal is a big deal. When, you, when somebody uh, uh, lights up the charcoal grill in the neighborhood, oh my golly, all the memories come back of, uh, of grilled meats and foods and whatever. And uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so 
So uh, I find it um, interesting, again, I hope this isn't bringing, reading stuff into scripture, but I will say from a, from a clinical traumatic uh, studies of what's known between the link of smell whatever, a charcoal fire was present three, uh, uh, and when Jesus denial with Peter. And so uh, when, he, when Jesus is inviting him up to a charcoal fire, Every traumatic study scientist will tell you, Peter's smelling charcoal, and he, he's not just remembering his denial, his gut, his heart, he's churning with it. He's sweating it. I mean, it, he's, he's, he's reliving it over. He is chemically, spiritually, mentally, he's back there, painfully, painfully. And uh, so Jesus... One of the things he's going to be doing is giving him a different experience and memory in the presence of the smell of charcoal that only brought him distress. Now he's going to hear the threefold, you deny me three times? Now, do you love me three times? And the big, bold Peter, he can only appeal to, you know my heart. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open. All you know desires are known. From you no secrets are hid. <laughs> You know my heart. <laughs> you know, and Jesus trusts him. You know, feed my sheep. If you say you love me, it's going to be shown in how we care for one another and how you're following me. I, I, so in that restoration, in that forgiveness, in that recommissioning, now, the scientists would tell us, <laughs> when Peter smells charcoal, He's going to have a memory of restoration, forgiveness, and recommission, he and the other disciples, to uh, uh, wash away and offset and give a whole new complex and meaning to whenever they're smelling charcoal again. I'm no longer that person who does this. I'm now this person who the resurrected Lord says I am, has declared me to be in his heart. His heart has looked into mine, and he has given, granted me forgiveness, cleansing, restoration, and recommissioning. Yeah. And which he gives us today when we come. And then, of course, um, come and have breakfast. Do you love me? Follow me. Follow me. What, you know, uh, Pastor David uh, began the, uh, the service today talking about we want to go and move from thinking of resurrection from an event to resurrection as a person. <laughs> yes, Jesus was resurrected, but Jesus is alive to meet us. And he says, follow me. And it's through that intimacy with me, that union with me, that I can restore you and we can become more consistent, not perfect on this side of eternity, but certainly grow in more consistency and steadfastness and faithfulness like Peter and the disciples than we could be. It will only happen by walking with him and um, uh, letting he, the crucified Savior, 
who lives, resurrected, you know, share his life with him. And then the, a mystery happens. As we grow close to him, he trusts us with his sheep. He'll actually send people to us, maybe individuals, maybe our community will grow, but I really firmly, you know, I, we hear so much in America about church growth movement. What do we have to do to grow our churches? Well, we got to change the music. Uh, we got to go and have uh, coffee bars in the lobby. We have to do, you know, what are the millennials thinking? What are the Gen Xers thinking? How do we market ourselves and grow, 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 grow? And I've come into my life to say, you know, Jesus will give us his precious, precious sheep to care for as we are in intimate fellowship and union with him. Otherwise, we can do all the tricks and programs and marketing, and maybe we'll see a big front door, but there's also going to be a big back door as people go away and say, I'm fishing here, but I'm getting nothing. Because, they're, you know, they're not getting Jesus. So, if we want to grow, if we want our life to have an impact, if we want our congregations to grow and be places of resurrection, of meeting the crucified Savior who lives, it comes by um, walking close with him. And I do believe then he will, by his sovereign hand and grace, send us his, his flock, his sheep, for us to tend and to feed and to care for. Let us pray. Oh Lord, you are so good to us. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that your heart and desire when you rose from the dead was to find your disciples, to find us, to restore us. We thank you that we have eternity to look forward to, but that we have responsibility and privilege now to follow you and to serve one another. Lord, by your grace, may we so feed on you so feed on you that we would grow more steadfast, wavering less, and that we would grow strong. We would just grow strong that your name would be glorified. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.